Welcome to the Mando Fan Show, everybody. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday. We are live and uh, here to talk about Chapter 4 of Book of Boba Fett, Gathering Storm. With me, as always, is James and Lacey. And our guest is from the website Fantatrack. I'm sure a lot of you are well aware of them. And you can also find his musings in Star Wars Insider and on StarWars.com. Also known for doing a lot of things to help Star Wars Celebration be awesome from the fan perspective. Our friend and yours, the great Mark Newbold. What's up, Mark? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you for that introduction. It's very, very kind. Too kind. <laughs> too kind. You've woke me up now. It's, it's two in the morning here. So I needed that. Very <laughs> oh nice. man, it it is. Yeah, every time you join us, it's uh, it's either like one or two a.m. So we appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure you've uh, had a long day yourself, having watched this episode maybe multiple times. I'm sh- I know you had already done your reaction show, uh, making tracks, right? Uh, you guys That's did right. your episode earlier today. Um, so. Uh, now that you've had a chance to uh, let it settle in, we're going to get into our ratings of the episode and all that sort of thing. First, real quick, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's joining us live right now uh, in the live chat. If you don't mind, if you're on Twitter, social media, and you see our post that we are live, share it with a retweet, quote tweet, uh, Facebook like, uh, Instagram share, wherever you are. Uh, spread the word. Tell a friend to come in, join us in the live chat. It's going to be a good time. So thank you all for joining us live. And uh, don't worry if you have to duck out. It is going to hit your podcast feeds tomorrow morning, so you can uh, watch it on the channel or hit your audio feeds for that. But, Mark, um, before we get into the ratings and what you gave this episode, I just want to kind of gauge your fandom of Boba Fett. Were you always a Boba Fett fan? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I think so. When when I wasn't aware of the holiday special as a kid before Empire came out, so Empire really was the first sort of introduction. Um but after that, obviously, he turns up in the comics, and I was a Star Wars Weekly Empire Monthly kid, so so it was Fett was kind of very much a focus of the, a lot of that run of comics or gotcha. appearing in those comics. So so leading up to, but really, Jedi it takes off, and yeah, absolutely. Um, I think of that era, how could you not be? Almost, you'd almost have to actively avoid him. Uh, and then certainly <laughs> through the nineties, when he, you know, when you think back to the nineties, it was Fett and Mara Jade. They were the they were the characters of the nineties. So all the way through that sort of massive Star Wars resurgence era, um, and yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying what we're getting right now. So it's I think it's great to see the character back and given a different presentation as well, which is really interesting. Oh no question, yeah no question. So what we're going to do now is get into our ratings of the episode. Uh, we do it on our scale of zero to ten. Tamora Morrison faces. Uh, and we, we include halves as well. Before we do that, just real quick, if, um, if you submit a super chat to the show while we're live, uh, we will vault your comment to the top. We'll spend some time talking about your comment and then get you featured on the show. Uh, Lacey, we're going to kick things off with you this week. Um, this episode, written by John Favreau, directed by Kevin Tankarone. I don't know if I said that right. I know there's different pronunciations out there. That's my take on it. Uh, I actually have it up. I have Tancherowen. 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 Mark, how, how do you how do you pronounce it this morning? I said Tancherowen, and I've probably insulted oh. him and his ancestors. So I that's I could be three different. Anyway, super talented. Loved it. Yeah. Oh, he did a great job. Yeah. So so Lacey, um, the Gathering Storm, Chapter Four. We're now more than halfway done with the Book of Boba Fett. At least you know if this is season one or whatever. Uh, what'd you give this episode on the Tamara Morrison face scale? 
So I gave this episode a 7.5. Again, like the episode before this, I thought, once again, it was a very solid, great episode. And it's just like the title says, The Gathering Storm. It's building. It's going somewhere. And I feel like I'm being really hold back on my scores because I just know we're building to something that's going to be so crazy that I need to show that my scores make sense. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely gave it the extra from the 7 to the 7.5 for all the Bantha moments and the Rancor moments. So basically any creatures get an extra Very half cool. point. All right. Um, James, let's reel you in here. Uh, what did you give this chapter of the Book of Boba Fett? I gave it a 7.5 as well, um, which is the same as last week. Um, yeah, I don't know what it was. Something about the... the um, I don't know. I just I was kind of just going back and forth on like what I did and didn't like and just kind of was one of those things like a couple things pulled me from you know that perfect 10 and brought it down and then it just landed around 7.5 and i felt pretty good with it all right very good uh mark how about you you know how boring are we 7.5 i feel like i'm <laughs> scoring on dancing on ice or something um, boom, boom, yeah boom. For the, for, exactly for the same reason um as you guys it's i feel like there's way more to come there's it, you know you've got to you've got to think logically on that scale haven't you and I really did enjoy this. I enjoyed last week's, but I really enjoyed this week's, and I didn't expect to get so much out of what we got. So, yeah, strong a strong 7.5. 7.6. You know, just all right. That way okay. towards 8, you know? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, all right, so I'm a little higher than the three of you. I gave this an 8.5 um, because I found myself watching this episode being really pleased with the fact that it felt like there was at least some sort of closing the door to the flashbacks a little bit now that he's fully healthy and all that. And I've been constantly pulling myself to, I want to go back to the present timeline. I want to see what's going on now with Boba Fett. And they are doing that. And then this was the first episode out of the four where I caught myself, you know, with my mouth agape at some spots or like laughing or that, like uh, all the emotions kind of were pulled out of me on this episode. And I wasn't doing a reaction video, so it was a genuine reaction. Um, but 8.5 for me, I thought it was the best so far of the season. And I know we're now in a position where, like you said, just said Mark and Lacey and James, uh, we've set the table for this final three episodes. And I'm very excited yeah. to see where we're going to go from here. And we'll talk more about how this, this episode ended with a little bit of a tease, I'm sure, a little later. But um, our score out of the four of us averages out to a 7.75. Uh, maybe 7.76 with Mark oh. kicking up a little bit there, but there's oh, the faces CRB. there. There's our scores Did there, the, the 7.75. And spoiler alert, uh, our patrons at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. First of all, thank you for all of your support over there. You're the reason why this <laughs> show exists. They gave this one, James, an 8.1. So, yeah, uh, it, like his ear, his ear on the ninth. Mm-hmm. Tem face is and, the, and you can tell too because as people are popping in Lacey's throwing up the comments it's just like eights 8.5 i saw a lot of 8.5 you know what i mean so yeah this, this seems perfectly right some 7.5 so 8.1 seems really accurate even what we're seeing in the comments. yeah 
Yeah, and we do have a couple of comments from Patreon that we want to read out here with their ratings. First is Greg Spencer. Thank you, Greg, one of our patrons over there. He said, 8.5 for me. This was a lot of fun. Some really cool sequences, including inside of a Sarlacc. The sneaking mission into Jabba's palace was great. I hope Boba and Fennec took some time to clean up that kitchen. There's no way that's up to code. Uh, he said, are we, do- are we done with the flashbacks? We seemingly caught up now, and Boba Fett is fully healed. Let's see how it goes forward. So thank you for that, Greg. And uh, Grogu's Wrinkly Head, one of our favorite names on Patreon, uh, <laughs> chimed in with a 7.5 hey, and, and said, still feels like we're building towards something. Hopefully Boba recruits a team of bounty hunters next week and finally goes to war. So those are the comments uh, that we picked out of Patreon. So thank you for your scores. Uh, I believe collectively on both sides of the aisle, this was the highest scored episode yet. Uh, 8.1 from our patrons, 7.75 from the four of us. And it looks like you're saying, James, in the chat, a lot of in the eights uh, as well. So very exciting. Uh, Now we will head to the Easter egg portion of the show. Uh, Basically, we'll just go around and each point out either a pop culture reference or a a direct Star Wars Easter egg or just something we noticed that was fun uh, on the surface of the show here. Um, And before we do that, just want to give a shout out to weirdbrothers.com. We partnered with a small business out of Virginia who creates coffee and we created a brew with them called the resistance brew so if you go to weirdbrothers.com and look up the resistance brew you buy a bag you're supporting the podcast and a small business down in virginia so thank you to our friends over at weird brothers and it's delicious i have actually some in my tumbler here so cheers um all right easter eggs it is uh mark was there anything that you you caught in this uh particular episode that you're like that's a reference to this or that reminds me of this or anything like that um, the the big the big thing for me was was seeing the uh, spoilers was uh, was Fett with the silencer the silencer bomb again, um, or oh, yeah. Fennec using that on the Sarlacc. That was just oh, that was so good. Uh, so that that gave me a big buzz because again, it's that whole merging of of what what I mean he shouldn't, but what you kind of would consider prequel stuff and uh, oh yeah OT stuff all coming together. Um, that was a big buzz, and just seeing little the uh, the uh, the OOM droid in in the palace that they're chasing around the kitchen, and just all the little you know the little nods like that. Um, Absolutely, uh, we have a we have a, a friend of our Sander who writes uh, the guide on on Fanta for each episode, and he pointed out the the kitchen droid, which apparently was I think it was seen in an episode of the Clone Wars at some point. Obviously, like General Grievous when he starts waving. Yeah, his, you know, he's in Dex's hand. diner. The same type of droid is serving pancakes and stuff in Dex's diner in uh, oh, Attack of the Clones. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's all that sort of stuff. So all the little co- corner of the eye nods, I think, are excellent. And just to think <laughs> that Matt Berry's voice was torturing that gonk droid in Return of the Jedi. I just love the thought of that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, um, James. How about you? You catch anything? To be honest, no. <laughs> like, I, I kept my eyes open the whole episode, and, like, you know, there were those little things. Like, I was like, okay, that's the droid from Revenge of the or um, uh, Return of the Jedi. You know what I mean? I'm like familiar with that. Um, and then also the, the other droid that you mentioned, too, that shows up in Clone Wars and stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, there's a couple like little things like that, but I didn't really feel like there was any like cultural references in this episode. I mean, you should just skip me and see if you guys have some, but like okay. nothing really popped out to me as far as like, it felt like a, a lot of the, 
uh, things that we've had before. Okay, here's the desert. Here's the satellite. Here's the ship. You know what I mean? And like that's the whole scene. There wasn't like it, w- it wasn't like there was like a, a ship flying in the background that you're like, oh look at that, you know? Right. Um, maybe there's more, but I even like went on, you know, Reddit like looking around and stuff, and I was like, it doesn't really feel like anybody's like crazy jumping out. Like, did you see the thing? So I don't know what you get. What do you guys got? All right, Lacey, what do you got? So I think similar to Mark talking about like kind of prequel references, I feel like this episode probably had the most Mandalorian references of all of them. In the beginning, he's riding the Bantha past the skeleton that we see when he's flying over Tatooine in the sand, the same skeleton from the Bantha. Oh, right. That's cool. We see the flash charges from episode five or chapter five with uh, Toro Calican, right? That's his name. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that. Character. That is his name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, the guy at the beginning that fixes Fennec Shand is actually a like famous Grammy award winning like songwriter and stuff like that, which is kind of cool because hmm. it's like one of those things that it's like John Favreau is just pulling all these different types of people from all different oh, yeah. places in the world into this because it just shows how impactful Star Wars is and how everybody loves Star Wars, no matter where you come from and like what you're into. It's like everybody seems to be a Star Wars fan. Um, so it's just interesting to see when we talk about Easter eggs every week, we end up also talking about who's making a cameo this week because it's like John Favreau's bringing all his buddies in. Um, I think the mm-hmm. biggest Easter egg for me this episode was the one that everybody is naturally freaking out about because I did too, uh, is the little nod to the Mandalorian at the end with the little musical cue with the flute and the Mando oh, yeah. theme that immediately, mm-hmm. it's so funny, here I am, a Star Wars fan watching Boba Fett in 2022 and I was like, oh my God, the Mandalorian theme. Like I was like freaking right? out. Uh, because I was Seriously. just so excited. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. I felt the same way. It almost felt like the the real rock star is showing up soon or something. It was a very strange feeling for me. I'm with you on that. Um, I had a couple. One might be a stretch. I'm going to see what Mark thinks about it because it's about the same. Thundercat. That's the guy's up. name, by the way. The, the Grammy award winning musical person. Thundercat. Lino. Oh, I, I did think of one, actually. Go ahead, John. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you got? No, I want you to say it because it's your turn. Go. All right. Well, you won't uh, take you were talking about, sure. Mark was not. talking about the seismic chargers. And for some reason, when she, when it, it she releases it and it goes into its mouth, I thought of Jaws when he puts the tank in the shark's mouth. And she kind of drops a one-liner, kind of like Brody does, smile, you son of a bitch. She says, yeah. you know, what does she say? Fire, Fire in the, the hole. hole. Uh, that was that that reminded me of Jaws, just putting the thing in the beast's mouth, it blowing up, and and, and yeah. there you go. So that's maybe. Well, you'd have to ask, you know, it made me think of, or yeah, the director it made, about it. But it made me think of Jurassic Park too, where she lands on the glass and the monsters below her, like where in Jurassic Park two, where she's on the glass and she knows yeah. that her death yeah. is below her and it's like starting to crack type thing. Right. Um, the other one, the other droid that calls r2d to a feisty little one i think was one of the cooks in the kitchen ev99 that's actually the one i was referring to oh okay. which ends up being a bartender in the mandalorian yeah. yeah yeah right well or the same type of droid at least at least yeah, this yeah. one i think is the one from Jabba's pal so it's funny how bib fortuna turned these guys into like cooks and stuff um and then the last one i have is so I, I can I can always point out a sound in Star Wars and say I that's been somewhere else, and so when she cuts the bars, 
when she cuts those steel bars to break into Jabba's palace, I'm like, I've heard that sound effect before. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yep. David just stole my thunder. Okay. So <laughs> well, I was saying yeah. he agrees with you. I was saying because you weren't sure. Go ahead. Yeah. So exactly what he's putting here. Uh, it's the same exact sound after Anakin beheads uh, Count Dooku. Okay. And um, I saw uh, someone else. I think it was Palpa memes or something on Twitter had posted that as well to David Collins. And uh, I was like, yes, that's that. I knew I knew that. And like, it was just such a interesting and vindicating feeling but also like it's a completely different thing that's happening but they're using the same sound effect but i still think it's cool that they punched it in there because i doubt most people would notice that so um so yeah those are mine um i don't know if we have many more uh anyone else want to throw any out there well i got the one that i that i that i dawned on me i was actually watching the episode and i'm looking at black chrysanthemum standing there and he's like so angry at those like gamblers and i'm like why is he? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why is why is he picking on these guys? Are they being extra loud? I couldn't quite figure out. Then he goes after him and he starts beating him, throwing him up, you know, throwing him around the room and all this. And even after the speech and everything, I was like, I don't, I didn't, it didn't dawn on me. And then just like it all of a sudden hit me why he was after them because they're Trandoshans. Like it was like a hate crime thing where he's. He's looking. They presented the a pelt in the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. He sees. He sees. These oh, people right. And he just yeah. knows that their species inherently are the species that like enslave the Wookies and all this other stuff. And I was like, it's not spelled out. Like you would have to know that. And even me being a Star Wars fan, I'm sitting there like, why is this guy mad at these people? And it, and even knowing as much as I know. That's such a deep reference to this character and why he would be angry about seeing these particular uh, species of aliens, you know, the, these people. And even though they're right. they're innocent, they don't have anything to do with that. Or I don't know if they're innocent, but you know what I'm saying? Well, those right. ones presented a pelt to Boba Fett in episode one. Yeah. yeah. A Wookiee pelt. Yeah. Yeah. True. They I see it as like an honor to do that. But yeah. I thought it was interesting too, because yeah. then if you rewatch that scene and then see like, uh, you know, uh, Jessica Beale's character like explaining, you know, like you were this champion and stuff. I thought she was. Just you mean Jennifer Beale? Jennifer, Jennifer Beals? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Jessica Beale. <laughs> I, I, to be totally, totally <laughs> honest, I'd never heard of this person before this show. Uh, no, that's fine. It's you said an actress, just celebrity. the wrong one. It is yeah. a name. <laughs> you said yeah. a name. Yeah. Um, Same on that right. thread, really quick. Jamie does make a sure. good point, which I was going to bring up is the it's not why steps at a Wookiee and he rips off the guy's arms, which I found out that their yeah. arms grow back. So it's not yes. that big of a deal as uh, one might think of losing right. their and arms. If you, plant, if you plant the arm under the ground, it grows of Trandoshan. John, shut up. <laughs> Isn't that what starfish do? If you cut a part off, it grows it into a starfish, right? No? I think oh. you're thinking of sponges. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Like sponges. <laughs> All right. Well, absorb this because it's time to give out the Mando code, Lacey. And uh, we have our season long giveaway contest. I reveal a number on each episode. And uh, on last week's episode, I gave out the third number in the code. And now I will be revealing the fourth number. And at the end of the season finale, we'll give out the final number and let you know how to submit the code. You have to unscramble it and submit it the right way. And we'll let you know how to do that. But 
Whoever does it and successfully wins will win the Star Wars Black Series Boba Fett rearmored wearable electronic helmet. I don't know why they had wearable, uh, but you can wear it on your head. Um, so good luck with that. Uh, the fourth number in the Mando code is one. So jot that down, get it tattooed, it whatever you got to do. And good luck as you collect three more numbers to go. All right. So now let's get into just an open discussion. Let's have a chat. That's why we're here, right? So can I uh, jump Mark, into a super chat really quick? You yeah. absolutely can. Okay. So we do have a super chat. Thank you so hey. much from nerdy underscore Seb, who said prediction next episode, the Pikes attack most Pelgo and home fet uh, rec- recruits Cobb Vanth to join the squad. I think they'll do a seven samurai esque team. So as we get into our discussion of what's next and what's to come, I think that's definitely an interesting point because it did yeah. give off that vibe, like I said at the end, with the Mandalorian noise and and the flute sound. They got everybody so hyped is like something is coming. <laughs> It'd be cool to see Cobb Vance again. Um, Mark, did you have uh, a, a standout moment from this episode that was your favorite scene or favorite shot or anything like that? Um. <clears throat> Normally, normally there is, but this one there wasn't. And I say that with um, praise because I thought it was consistently good all the way through. Um, the little chase around the kitchen was a bit goofy and fun and it wasn't <laughs> necessarily needed. You know, it was okay. I enjoyed that. But there were so many cool little moments that biding his time, checking how many guards were at the back door of the palace was interesting because you expect Fett just to walk straight in. So that biding his time thing, all these little layers to the character, you know, the patience. Yeah. I said it in when me and Mark were talking on making tracks earlier, you know, he's almost humble. You know, his, his situation has kind of humbled him and he's got through it because he shouldn't. He should be dead on the sands of Tatooine, as he keeps saying. Right. Yeah. No, Everyone does reason. the voice. Everyone, when they do. <laughs> got to do it. Got to do the voice. Every time we have someone on, no matter who it is, James and John definitely do it, but no matter who yeah. it is, it comes on, they always do this like Boba Fett Tem voice and they're like, <laughs> but he's still here, isn't he? And, and I think yeah. with this one as well, because like like you guys said earlier, they've resolved the flashback thing, and so now we're up to speed. And now the last three episodes should be in the present, which is a bit like kind of felt like One Division did that with the first two or three that were like weird and wacky, and then he got up to mm-hmm. code, and then on you went. Um, yeah, it's just all setting up nicely the relationship with Fennec and so so. So if I had to pick a moment, I would probably pick the Sarlacc pit scene with saying Slave what well the, the fire spray. Sorry, I'm like, with had, you. Yeah. hanging over the silent pit and looking down and just thinking, I know what's going to happen. I'm waiting for the beak and I'm watching it. With my <laughs> wife and I'm like, Are you, do you like scary jumpy moments? Why? <laughs> Have you seen Return of the Jedi? Come on. You know, so, and then like a raptor on the window screen. You know, it was uh, really enjoyed that. I, I agree. So I'll just hop in and say that that's all. That was also my favorite shot as it slowly covered up the opening yeah. And he was looking down at it. Uh, Lacey, are you the same? Because I am as well. That that was nope. the best thing in the episode, in my opinion. Okay. Um, yeah, so Lacey, then, uh, what is your favorite shot? No, let moment? James go. Finish up, because you guys are all talking about the same thing. I hate yeah, I mean, the Sarlacc that's all I had. pit. <laughs> go ahead, James. Yeah, maybe, that, maybe that's the, the reasoning. But I, I guess just there was something about... Um, I don't know, like, there's something interesting about Slave 1 in general, like, when it's flying, it's like this, and when it's landed, it's like this kind of thing, yeah. so, like, it feels like it has this weird anti-gravity sort of thing that's going on, like, you would never see, like, we see X-Wings hover off the ground, so can they hover, like, vertically? Like, I don't know, you never see it, you know? So it's just kind of right. one of those things, like, I think, like, anytime you can put a familiar ship in a very, like, odd space, because it's just using that, like, anti-gravity or whatever, 
it just gets interesting. And those particular shots of it hovering over the Sarlacc pit felt very fresh, very new. And this is a bigger thing about the episode. I really was not feeling the first half of this episode. It was until once they got the ship uh, and everything past that, the, the whole scene over the Sarlacc, I was like, this feels like a movie. Like I'm looking, I'm trying to figure out it felt felt like it was in 24 frames per second, you know, or something. The color was right. But like so many other scenes and previously in this episode felt like television. Like it felt almost low budget or fan filmy or, or they're trying to recreate that feel of cinematic. Um, I don't know, whatever. And it just wasn't landing. So to me, when that happened in the show, I was like, yes, finally, this is what I want. This feels like a movie. I feel like I'm watching the Boba Fett movie now. It's really funny that Nerdy Seb said this. Am I the only one who thought the Sarlacc died? I thought it did too. He blasted a hole in the side of it to get out. <laughs> Lacey, if I may, uh, yeah. no one's ever really gone. Oh, jeez. All right, should I go I don't then? remember a Sarlacc in Phantom Menace. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. <geez. laughs> uh, so my favorite part of course it is, is the Bantha parts, specifically the beginning where he's like sitting around the campfire with the Bantha, which first of all, I didn't know Bantha's bellowed until I watched with the subtitles. I always watch with subtitles, no matter what I'm watching. Mm. Um, but I just loved how it was just like, I'm hungry. And he's like, oh, you want this? And then he fades it. And then they cut to its tail wagging. Oh my God, mm -hmm. I lost it. It's like the cutest yeah. thing ever. And then when yeah. he's like saying goodbye to it and he's like, now go be free. And the thing's just slowly being like, <laughs> like right, right, right. <laughs> it's just so and funny. Me, but me remembering uh, the first episode of season two. <laughs> oh, yeah. So something else I wanted to note really cool is that I noticed in this episode specifically there were a lot of dolly shots which i really enjoyed so like the first shot that opens up with uh which is a beautiful shot of the bakta tank with the t twin sun sunset behind it and the winds blowing through the curtains it looks like a perfume mm -hmm. like a perfume commercial it's like a dolly shot where it comes in close and then there's the yeah. part where he's at the table with the families and it's a dolly shot into his face and there's this beautiful shot it's so quick uh you have to make sure you're looking for it which is a shot from behind the fire pit which is roasting something and it's a slider shot down the table it is such a nice shot so i have to give the director kevin mad props i know he's more on the what people have been calling the rookie side i, I think that's a bad term he's had tons of work done like he's done tons of work uh including agents, the agents of shield right he did agents of shield he did the big mortal Kombat series that went viral that people really mm -hmm. loved um so that's kind of cool that he did this episode because there were there were a lot of fight scenes so it makes sense um yeah. but his shots were beautiful i thought he did an amazing job so uh, I really, really love a good uh, dolly shot or a push, if you will. Yeah. A good push. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, I, you know, I got to admit something. And, and this was my favorite episode yet. But when it opened and the first thing I see is a back to tank, I rolled my eyes. I was like, oh. I know you did. And I, the funny thing is I thought that when I saw it, I was like, John is somewhere right now being like, ugh. <laughs> but the and, thing is, we still haven't seen Empire scenes yet. And he said that in an interview that we're going to the Empire period and we haven't seen it yet. He may have. Do you think he's lying? Uh, he may, No, he may have just like, com, like confused things, I think. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, Mark, I, what do you I think? Do, you think yeah. He, yeah. I agree. I think, I think when he was talking about that, I think he might have got slightly mixed up because... 
Um, going back to, I don't know, I, I think, I mean, this is a slightly different point, but I think we've got post-Sarlacc Fett and, and pre-Sarlacc Fett. So you before Jedi and after Jedi, that's the cutoff point, if you like. And to me, from a physical point of view, because you see Tem now, and like, God, the guy's looking buff and he's looking great. And But but Boba was never, Boba was always fairly slim. Jeremy was quite a slim guy, tall and yeah. slim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas Tem is... is Obviously, he's like Django because it's the same guy. You know? I just laugh uh, at everyone being like, oh, dad bod in season two of Mandalorian. I'm like, that is not a dad bod. Look at my uh, father. Bill Gill does not have bod like that. <laughs> and that is not a dad bod. <laughs> no, I've got a dad bod. Um, oh, but, you know, but, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think to, in my head canon, being inside the Sarlacc, but all the acid, all the gunken crap that's in there, affects him physically obviously affects him mentally and alters his perception on life and the world because he's, he's you know we said on Fanta recently he's like a trauma survivor he's been through this massive right. life-changing thing and then and he dives back the in side. yeah and then he well that's, oh. that's, that says everything about how much he wants that armor doesn't it you know yeah and, and that probably that's why I mean that was a great little thought process to think well you know you've watched all this stuff and he's healing and he's with the Tuscans and he's in the desert and yada yada and then he starts taking the back to why is he still using back to presumably what five years on, and him going back into the pit to get his armor and coming out and pouring the water yes. on him? What's that going to do? That kind of answers why he's still recovering. And then of course you have the scene with the droid going, "You are now fully recovered from the back to." So it's like, right, that's, yeah, that's, that's them saying, "Right, game on now." You know, we can go mm-hmm. now. And and you know, it's it's um, I don't know if it's loyalty to his dad and feeling an obligation to get that armor back. Or if it's just he, his, he's it's still his like security blanket because he even yeah, says he like he said that in the episode he said that yeah he, he says I can't go in it. there yeah I'm yeah. not as intimidating without my armor or whatever but yeah um he anytime he faces his past like going back to that solar pick he almost got pulled back in and killed again like yeah. so anytime he like looks back to his past he gets himself back in trouble whereas he's like the more uh like you said Mark humble. Uh, logical Boba Fett of today seems like he has a better chance of surviving than the, well, I just got to go get my armor. I got to go back in there and, you know, go get that. And I mean, he almost got killed again, which is uh, amazing if it wasn't for her pushing his buttons, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. But I think if they did go back to Empire and, they, and, we did, and I'd love to see some, that's my favorite film. So I'd love to see something from Empire because we've added yes. to Jedi in a way. Oh, sure. something to Empire. Yeah. But my head tells me, and this is probably being way too picky and way too, you know, not. it's not really, it doesn't matter. But just from a, a physical presentation point of view, it almost feels like you'd need somebody else to play Fett physically. Obviously, tend the voice like you always did before. But Fett, as a figure, always appeared slightly different. And it just, to me, mm-hmm. my head kind of tells me that that time in the Sarlacc and, you know, getting over it physically changed him because you know there's no doubt as a silhouette it's a different silhouette so sure no less, sure. No less impressive though so i'm loving what i'm loving what they're doing with it oh absolutely yeah and you know again you know this episode for me i um just like even the kitchen scene like you said it was silly and stuff but i like when he bopped that creature to, so it fell back into the pot i laughed i was like yeah. that that's that's something those are silly the frogs for- that grogu eats yeah oh those are the same frogs mm-hmm 
you see like those silly little moments like just like Jabba flicking the creature off the edge on, at the yeah. pod race like <laughs> those little silly Star Wars moments where something eats something randomly and it just like adds a little levity and uh, I love that stuff and then that droid he's uh, walking over the fire and he's chasing him and he chokes him and stuff I and love that he shuts himself off, off. Yeah. yeah that's my yeah. that was my favorite he was just like and I'm gonna just yeah I thought that was I thought that was so fun and, and adventurous yeah. it felt a little fraggle rocky or something to me yes. cuz they're in like this like sort of like these tunnels and these hallways and stuff so that felt cool but then you also have the high adventure and he he turns back into old school Boba Fett where he's just mowing down those Nitco oh, uh Nikto uh, yeah, bikers he went for it there he, he mowed them all down and I'm like that's old school Boba Fett and there's certain yeah. lines where he he rubs the bantha and he's like go on girl you know you're going to be okay and blah 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 but go then at the same baby time bantas. Yeah, baby bantha. Baby banthas. and then two minutes later, he goes old school Boba Fett. He said, "I'm either getting my ship or I'm dying." And you're yeah. just like, "That's all that." See, he's still in there somewhere. He's still old school, but he's like, he's changing. And it's just a smart writing by Favreau to balance the old Fett, like you said, pre Sarlacc, post Sarlacc. And I think they're they're getting to a point now where, now that he's post Tuscan, and we're more in the in the present, we're going to see a healthy blend of both versions of Boba Fett. And I think uh, Favreau, being the guy who always wanted to write a Boba Fett story, was always cognizant of, we still need to keep him Boba Fett, but they're yeah. doing it very carefully. They're walk, they're towing that line very carefully. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know when it's... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go on, go on. I was hopping in. Go on. You carry on. <laughs> well, when I, I was going to ruin it, because I was going to say, like, I, you guys are saying that, like, to be a little on the controversial side, I hated those scenes. I did not like them at all. I was like, get this. Which ones? Uh, so the kitchen scene was one of them. I was like, like okay, Sebastian and the Little Mermaid. Someone was saying earlier, it made me laugh. Exactly. I felt like I was watching like a '90s, like Stuart Little or something. I felt like I was gonna see the camera from like the droid's point of view and like Boba Fett like chasing after it, like at a, <laughs> like wide angle. <laughs> I was like, get out of here! Like I don't want to see this. They're like trying to chase the like the cat or something they're trying to get it to go outside, i loved it you know and i was like <laughs> i just not feeling this at all now a, a quick little joke yeah sure i like he turns him off or or you flicking off the thing um like that's funny to me and i don't mind that stuff but this was like a, a like a sequence they're like today we're gonna shoot the whole sequence of them chasing the droids around and getting into hijinks and stuff and i was like i'm just not feeling it um and and again like it felt like tv it didn't i didn't feel like i was watching a star wars movie you know i felt like i was watching these characters on like i don't know it just didn't it didn't hit with me the other one that i was going to say too and i i want to go back into the positive but like i said the first half of the episode was not feeling right when they first went to like save fennec and he goes to that like tattoo parlor or whatever I just was like, this is dumb. Like, I mean, I get the story. And I thought connects. it was adding sci-fi to the sci-fi fantasy. It like, I, I, I don't I, look, I don't mind the modders and stuff. And you want to say that, but like, when I look at them, they do, they feel like they're out of this, a CW show. They don't feel like they're in star Wars to me. They feel like they are people. And then they're like sticking props on them. And they're like, that costume will do. And there's nothing really quite there. Like, like they're, you know, like, oh, I've modded my hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's when you went. That was your prop. 
Yeah, and, Johnny uh, Depp, like, everybody. Welcome to yeah, the they podcast. Put, like uh, an Apple Watch over <laughs> his eye or something. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I'm just not feeling it, man. I'm not. All right. And, and then right. the way I don't know the way they were like cutting between the scenes and stuff. Like it was, they were trying to make it epic, like she was being rebuilt or something. And I was like, it's just not. It's not sinking in with me. But th- that all being said, like once they once they go to rescue the ship and they go on like the heist thing. Well, I mean, I know they're kind of doing the, the kitchen thing in there, but like once they're a- actually like in the ship and, you know, trying to get out and all that, all that was really cool. Like blasting down the door and you see it like fall. Uh, they get out there. He's mowing down the people. They're in the Sarlacc pit. Just like there was so much to that that I was like, this is all cool. I really like this. Yeah. Um, but I don't well, know. I just, just to point out a couple of those weird scenes that I was like, this yeah. just feels like weird TV, like almost that like CW kind of like flash universe t- television that i'm just not into all right so mark, mark what, what were you going to get into there oh blimey where was the going that was quickly <laughs> yeah, you're like, like oh, I love it. That's no 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 the mods scene um two things one it, it doubled down i think on the whole vespa thing last week where everybody was you know very divided on on their thoughts yeah. on that one oh, and bringing yeah. those you know and bringing those characters in so it kind of went there again uh, and and I kind of liked it. It was something a little bit different. It sh- just showed that Tatooine as a, as a planet, because we've seen we've seen Mos Espa, we've seen Mos Eisley, True. We, we've seen Mos Pelgo in the Mandalorian. So they're really developing the planet as a place and, and Jabba's. So it was just something new. So I was kind of fine with that. And 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 the thought I had uh, talking on Fanta really was it just threw me back to the Kieran Gillen run on Darth Vader when he had a lot of characters turn up with thought modifications and cybernetic bits and yeah, obviously yeah. i'm still waiting for valance to turn up at some point if that doesn't happen i'll be disappointed so so it who, kind of all felt say? with the valance uh, the bounty hunter oh yeah, yeah. um yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying probably my favorite comic has been for a while has been the bounty hunters comic i think it's consistently mm-hmm. good and then you know he's been kind of prominent in that so that's been enjoyable um but going back to the bikers thing i just i adored that scene in the same way last week they they wanted to put a cap on the Tuscan Raider story because he was obviously with them for a long time. And and yeah. everything that's happening, everything that's happening is to serve the story of Boba Fett. It's the book of Boba Fett and every episode is a chapter. So everything that happens is to serve that story. And that Tuscan yep. thing last week completely, and we see it, we're going to see that ramifications of that go on for ages. And this was another one of those, I've got some scores to settle. You know, and I'm thinking, well, is, this, is he sort of saying this and we're going to see it over the next few episodes? No, it's Boba Fett. Get it done. So he wipes those guys out. That sequence, just I can't wait to watch it again. Just seeing the ship yeah. coming quietly like that was just gorgeous. And, and yeah. then it gives him like the attitude of like, yikes. Like you, which like, is, which is good. Because yeah. Because he's he, he's yeah. been so passive yeah. this whole time. Yeah. That she's probably like, oh, so that's who you really are. When it when the chips are down and someone burns you, this is who you are. And now I'm seeing it. So I better not. She she maybe like th- like thinking twice about betraying him at this point, which is you know. But do you remember in the second of the clones? In the second of the clones, there's that young you know Daniel Logan Boba Fett. There's that glee on his face when he's trying to take out Obi Wan in the yes, he's, he's laughing. It. Yeah, he's loving it. And there's still a little bit of that left in the adult. Boba Fett, you know, oh, that's so like great! Say, yeah, kind of came out in that little moment, and yeah, I mean, that's true. He has been very passive, and and um, you know, uh, like the table scene when he's talking to all the other gang leaders, and he's very conciliatory, and he's like, "Let's work. We can, there's always a way. Let's work out a way." Right? You know, and he and he's obviously this whole episode, a massive part of this episode was about coming to that understanding with Fennec. You know, yes. But, 
always why is she sticking still, around yeah 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 but he's still boba fett and she knows uh, the guy's exactly still boba fett. yeah oh yeah. yeah i do have a random question though go ahead so i was thinking about the sarlacc scene uh when i was watching it before we did this again uh and they dropped the seismic charge down and it, you see it kind of expand through the sand do you think that woke up the crate dragon which then starts attacking the town do you think like all these things are connected so that like this happens here, which then wow. drives this to happen? Because I was thinking about it. And first of all, the episode's amazing. <laughs> I want to go back and watch it. Mandalorian season two. Uh, but this town keeps getting attacked. And I kept thinking in my head, why would they put a town there if they keep getting attacked? And then you see this charge that kind of just takes off in the water. And it kind of reminded me of like a monster movie where, you know, they they do drilling in the ocean and the drilling wakes up the monster, which then attacks the city type thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great thought. Like Cloverfield. Yeah. No, what's the crazy, stupid one with the giant shark, Megalodon or whatever? Oh, Meg. The Meg. <laughs> the Meg. Yeah. yeah. The Meg. That's what it was. Yeah. Academy Award winner Jason Statham. Uh, yes. And the white shrew. But I was thinking about that and I was like, it would be a really cool way. Obviously, I don't know if this is official, but I, I'm just putting it together like showing you how everybody's decision within Star Wars affects other people, whether they realize yeah. it or not. Like, his actions then killed people, killed yeah. Banthas. What if the Bantha that gets eaten is the Bantha he was riding? Like, you don't know. That's That true. type of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, then you could write the from a certain point of view story about that Bantha. There you oh go. My gosh. Done. John, speaking <laughs> of everything, then, are you still on the same page? Because uh, with the direction that Fennec is going to go, because I would say that while I've kind of been on both sides of that <laughs> argument, this episode really made me feel that she's on his side and me too. not going to betray him. Yeah. I was like, There's something about um, this episode that made me kind of flip on that. No, I, I still feel that something's going, something's going on because she tried to stop him from going out to the streets. She's like, I can go for you instead. I feel like she's trying to minimize his presence a bit and we're still trying to figure out who sent who. She knows her way around. She knows how to break I mean, in a job. The, Dallas, yeah, we Dallas know the references from all before, but was there anything in this episode that, that feeds into that theory? I don't really think there yeah, was. I just said he, he wanted to go out to the streets, and she said, I can go for you. She said that again in this, episode. this episode. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Frank, it so, happened and, before. So this the seismic charge scene happened prior to season two. So... I, I, I do I still think even some of the looks she gives and stuff they're at least wanting us to th maybe think that I'm not saying it's necessarily going to happen mm -hmm. but again you know and and Mark I know you know you're aware of how they pitch these things Robert Rodriguez and Favreau were like it's it's gangster it's Godfather and we were very insulted. you don't have a gangster movie without a big betrayal within the family and well, I... let, let me let me just point something to you the, the latest issue of Empire magazine I'm a subscriber. Mm -hmm. And oh. there's, the, there's the Godfather, right? There you go. You know, and so it's all there. It, you're absolutely right. I think, I mean, Fennec at the moment is is so on side, it's crazy. And she's being cut in, like he says, you're part of this and I want you to profit from yeah. it and yada yada. Because she's like, I'm an independent contractor and I don't work for anyone. And I'll go work for you, but, I, you know, I don't want to work for you sort of thing. And, and I just think I just mentioned it uh, to James, you know, the Bounty Hunter comic, which I adore. And these guys are interacting all the time, you know that 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 bridge scene from on the Executor from Empire. Those guys are bouncing around each other all the time, right? 
and they're stabbing each other in the back all the time. And it's right. just, that's just what bounty hunters do. And I know Fett is now no longer technically a bounty hunter. He's moved on. It's his new profession and so on. And he's, and he's up, uh, wanting to change all that. I yeah. loved yes, that well, line from Fennec. Yes. What was the line that she says? She's like, like uh, when they're... When you get to leave or something like that? Yeah. Our- oh, my gosh. That The first time I watched the episode, that hit me hard. I was like, wow, that is a great line from Fennec yeah. Shand of like, we don't get to choose when we want to leave or something like that. Yeah. But but Fett's saying, you know, we're, we're the smart ones. They're the, you know, yeah. How many jobs have you gone on where you're thinking, why am I doing this? You know, the right. gang lords are carried into town on... You know, great big platforms. How many and battles and, and things in. could have been avoided had, you yeah. know, just we waited on this thing or this thing, but they sent in a bounty hunter to go fix it. And, and, it and, and they made it clear that there's th- this isn't a life debt thing. He said, yeah. you help me get my yeah. ship and we're good. And she's like, I'll stick around for the ride. She's, th- she's sticking around because she wants to. And sh- why, why would an assassin who is been around that long who has always been working by her own methods and, and her own drive and stuff, just want to be a second fiddle to somebody just because. There's there's um, uh, there's more going on here. I, I, I just, Crimson, I, Dawn, I, Crimson Dawn feels like it's got to come into this at some point. And she's yes. the, she, you've seen in the comics that Crimson Dawn had double agents even through the Empire. And yes. so there's, there's all these people seeded around in different yeah. places. And I just feel that possibly, maybe as a story right. thread, I don't know. It's all spitballing at this point. Maybe Fennec is a, a secret agent for Crimson Dawn because Fett could be a threat, couldn't he? So, and they're going to yes. want to quash that. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, it's very <laughs> curious what's going to happen in the next uh, three episodes and who's going to pop in. Like can, can Kira show up? We've yeah. been talking about that. Uh, there's a lot Setting of other people schools. that show up. I yeah, did love how nice. they knew each other though at the beginning of the episode where she, she's like, who are you? And he goes, I'm Boba Fett. And she goes, he's dead. And he goes, I was. Right. So and the, then, like, he the, knew who she was. He's like, he yeah. knew exactly who... I loved that. I loved yeah. that they already knew of each other. Because it's like, you have this big Star Wars galaxy, but then at the same time, it's really small, and it brings it back to this level of, like, like you were saying, Mark, like, they all know each other. The bounty hunter industry, like with Mando, where you see in The Mandalorian, they all know each other. They're all aware of people. Boba even apparently like the doesn't leg- know Black Chrysanthemum because he's trying to give him advice. I think he does know him though because I think I thought this he, last week because he well, referred he to him as a gladiator, didn't he? He totally knows him. But I think with these characters, it's almost like if they, if you know, if somebody refers to another character by their name, it's almost like they're giving them something and they don't want to give anything to anybody else. It, everything's earned, but they don't want to give anyone the satisfaction of your reputation precedes you, which is why that Fennec Bobber scene was so cool because he knew she was a master assassin and she knew ultimately knew he was Boba Fett and that yeah. alone is like, whoa, you're Boba Fett almost, you know. Uh, right. So they don't want to give anything away. So I think I think they were being very key. Also for the audience, I, real world, I think they were trying to introduce him as well. Yeah, I, I also like too when, when they have the confrontation at the at the um, Oasis again because like Boba, Boba Fett like sees him throw the guy down, you know what I mean? And then he passes him and, you yeah. know, and they kind of have the talk yeah. afterwards and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I liked that. It looks like you need a job and all this. And like, I was like, man, he's recruiting him. This is really cool. Yeah. Um, I did want to go back though, really quick though, because we mentioned how it's not really a life debt. So what do you guys think the angle here is like, they come to this conclusion that, oh, all right, my debt's paid. If I go on this mission, all right, I'll hang along for the ride. And then like a little while later, we're going to see Boba Fett introduce her as 
someone who owed him a life debt and that's why she's here and I, I, like it is that an angle like what what's going on with that oh i don't they know kind of i mean i think i think maybe the- that's culturally maybe that's just a clever way of of explaining why she stuck around because I don't suppose they sit there over a cup of hot chocolate having deep fireplace side chats about, (laughs) you know, each of the thought processes. So maybe for her to be there with him and work with him, and and like I say, Fett knows who she is after all these years, then loads of other people are going to go, well, Fennec Shand, because when she came into The Mandalorian, she was a big deal. You've seen her in Bad Batch, and I think there's stuff to come in Bad Batch that's going to back up a lot of what we're seeing now. So... Mm -hmm. I think her reputation is probably as high as any character we've ever seen in Star Wars, in the underworld anyway. She's she's well-respected, so there's got to be a reason why she's there. So maybe, because we talked about this, the whole life debt thing, like I don't see Black Cassandra as being the kind of character that would honour a life debt or even offer it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you say right. great, I thanks. Agree. You know, so so Chewy, so, so the thought process of that was like, you know, two different Wookiees having different thought processes on a, on a life debt, for example, is like, comparing Bo-Katan to Boba Fett, they're, t- they're Mandalorians, but totally different thought processes on being a Mandalorian. Right, but, right. But with, with, with Fennec, I think just to say life debt is a nice, galactically, culturally, all, all cultures would understand that, like, oh, you honor that. Okay, yeah, fair enough. And it almost wouldn't be questioned, just as a... Let's draw right, a their team-up wouldn't be it. questioned, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Right. Just, yeah. just thinking outside the box, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seemed weird because when to to me when she was introduced as, um, you know, I brought her back to life, so she owes me a life debt. That's why she's here. I felt that was like him saying, like she's a slave or like I own you or whatever. We've had this discussion before in the show where I was trying to figure out their dynamic because they felt like friends, but I thought she was supposed to be like someone who's repaying. <laughs> her favor of being alive for the rest of forever, you know, well, I think that's, whatever. but this that seems like what through, through that, how we were initially supposed to believe it. And I think the reason why they put yeah. that scene in this episode is so we understand that's not the case. And there's other yeah. reasons why that's what I'm but... saying. I, I was kind of like, Oh wait, hold on. This makes Did me you guys... rethink their whole dynamic. She's, she's along for the ride. She's not, she doesn't owe him anything. Right. Yeah. I thought yeah, she yeah. had a life debt on, you know, and that's why she was here. Did you notice the retcon, so to speak, in the scene where Boba Fett finds Fennec Shand? They took the spur sound out. Yeah, and the radio. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he like so when they when they first aired that scene, it was he had his armor already because yeah. you hear they his wanted radio fans. They you, wanted fans to get it. Yeah, that it was him. Well, only wanted fans or to get it, but the question is like, far did in they? Advance. Yeah, yeah, did they know that he was going to be the one that finds her, but they weren't sure at what point did he have his armor yet? Did he have his not? And and Favreau's probably like, it's not going to work. We we can't have him have the armor yet, but whatever. It's Star Wars, and that's fine with me. It's just funny how uh, there's a clear difference in the in the scene now, which you know everyone had a nitpick about the the uh, the Nexu or whatever the creature is uh, not being in the background on the Geonosis oh, yeah. battleground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, this one, I think, I'm surprised people haven't talked more about it yet. Well, maybe because. Well, I just think what they'll do next week is they'll have a flashback scene when Cobb Vanth walks up to Fennec and looks and goes, "Don't know her," and walks off, and then find the same. I'll walk up and say, "Go out, I'll rescue her." Yeah. <laughs> he just goes, "That's a shame." <laughs> She's dead. I knew she wasn't dead. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. I like that. So, uh, three episodes to go. Um, Mark, do you think uh, that was a bit of a false tease, or do you think uh, we can fully expect Injarin to pop in with some new wheels uh, oh, shortly? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. That, that music cue, again, like Lacey said, you know, how crazy to think on what, you know, especially me, yeah. part, watching, <laughs> you know, watching a live-action show of a character I've been playing with toys since, like, the very early 1980s, and it's his show, and then, da-da-da-da, and all of a sudden I'm like, what? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, the Mando thing. That's, the, that's the Mando thing, you know, and, and so they've totally teased it, and you knew they came to an understanding, and also, it, it in the short term, anyway we might work around that kind of cul-de-sac of the end of season two Mando when they're on the bridge and it's like, I, Bo's, Bo's going to, like, I need the Darksaber and we have to oh, fight yeah. for it. And, you know, so we're going to work around that moment of Dean going, just take it. I ain't bothered. Just take it. No, I can't just take it. You know, mm-hmm. so we've got to, so we're going to get around that moment somehow and come back to it maybe in Mandalorian. So, yeah, I would be thrilled to bits if we did see him because like like somebody said in, in the chat earlier it does feel like we're building up that seven samurai yeah so, they're like totally passing each other you know where you see the flash yeah. charges in the night and he's like it's like oh they're in the same place but they're not right there you know well, like i love when they do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we saw pelly last week you saw him past the helmets on the spot yes yes so did walk past it and he saw Manda, it uh, adds saw, a, uh, it, up down it adds further suspension of disbelief when you're just world seeing building, these, yeah. yeah, yeah, world building, other points of view. It's adding layers of realness to the story. I I love that. Um, yeah. I think that was that's so cool how they've been doing that and not doing it like banging you over the head with it. It's like yeah, those two flashes. If you remember, they had those with those bikes and back then on the Gunslinger episode. So I I think that's so cool, but. I think there's going to be a lot going on in these these final episodes, though. I haven't said it out loud, but I've been kicking around the idea of, like, if they did a movie that was not, like, before or after, but happened at the same time as one of the original trilogy movies kind of thing. And so, like, as things are happening, you know, they're like, did you hear that the the Death Star was just destroyed? You know, that's like, you know, towards the end of the movie, it's like, they could play in like the characters actions throughout the movie are result of the main story that's going on. And they can see things happening from afar, you know, like they're fighting over here and they look over there and they're like, Oh, that, you know, there there's, and we know what that is because we've seen in the battle, but now we're seeing it from like, you know, a hundred yards away or whatever, you know, it's, I just thought like, it would be really cool if they just played like just on the outskirts of it. And I know they've done it. I'm sure with comics and stuff like that past, but I think like in this in this world of Mandalorian and Boba Fett, where they're f- kind of flipping between the two shows uh, now, it, it feels even more real that they could pull something like that off. That's a good point. Yeah. I, so next week, I'm trying to think of who's left for directors. I know we have Bryce. Filoni, which we're presuming chapter six, Bryce Dallas Howard, maybe next week. Yeah. Um, and then there was rumors of whether Favreau's doing it or not, or if it's going to be Robert Rodriguez again. Um, at this point, I'm hoping it's not Robert Rodriguez because I feel like, no offense to him, his episodes have been the the weakest in terms of direction, and I'm not trying to be offensive to him in that Last way. Last week, but... I saw a lot of negativity on like, oh, I didn't like this episode directed by Robert Rodriguez. That's why. And I and I oh, loved it a lot. So yeah. So. I, <laughs> 
So I laugh when people say that they're like, because the amount of skill and technique and education and creativity and stuff that goes into these projects, any project, I just laugh that keyboard people are like, oh, what a terrible director. Really? Let's see (laughs) you do it. I would love to see people do what he's doing. I, it's it's, it's I, how they I phrase it. It's I, how people nah. phrase it. I wasn't saying it like even. No, I'm not saying you, James. I'm saying in general, people were like, "Oh, Robert Rodriguez, meh. Like, I'm, really? I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure some people were saying that, but but I guess what I was reiterating was somebody just saying like, "I'm not vibing this angle, like the direction mm. here." People like certain directors. They don't like other directors. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. we talked about whether we want Wes Anderson to do a Star Wars movie. <laughs> like, some people would be like, no, because he just doesn't fit. <clears throat> but if he did do it, then somebody would be like, I don't like this. Why am I? Le-? And then they get to the end. They see it's directed by Wes Anderson. They're like, oh, well, <laughs> well, that's why, you know, I don't like his movies or whatever. You know, it's just a taste thing. Yeah. I just want to chime in here really quick. Albert. Like- his directorial taste. You know? Yeah, Albert in the chat said, to be fair, a lot of fans have had better ideas than what they've been doing with Boba Fett. I'm not necessarily talking about ideas. I'm talking about the skill it takes to actually be a director or, you know, run a camera on one of these crews, like that type of technical skill. I'm not necessarily well, also, talking about. That's a subjective thing. That's a subjective thing. Like, sure. maybe there's fan ideas that are really horrible. <laughs> So I have horrible ideas. Good. I can tell you yeah. right, right, straight yeah. up. I, I mean, I think we could all. About... Sorry, go. Sorry. No, go ahead, Mark. I'm just going to quickly say, like, I think we could all agree that you know we 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 got something from the series so far that I don't think anybody would have expected. That's all. Oh, big time. We we say this a lot about about different ideas and such, and we're only four episodes in. Last week, you know, everyone was really piling in on Streets of Moss Espa, Streets of Moss Vespa, as I call it. Yeah, the Vespas, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Never-ending uh, Vespa talk. Exactly, <laughs> you know, and there's, you know, our thing was like, well, there's, there's going to be a reason why there's these kids there, and, and there's a reason for everything, and we're halfway through a seven-episode season, hopefully only the first season of many, fingers crossed. Right. Um, not expecting a torrent of stuff like Star Trek's getting good grief. They've just announced about a hundred episodes over the next two years over there. But but you know, Wild. we you know we get what we get. So you know, I I just feel that when we get to chapter, I keep saying episode seven, chapter seven of this, and we look back and and uh, at this conversation or conversations we've had in the past, and go, oh, now I get why this, now I get why that. You know, it's always difficult mm-hmm. to 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 criticize or critique or anything something mid flow. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. We're, we're right. always allowed to criticize. You know, it's, it's right. entertainment. Think what we want, but you know, it's it's a tough one until certain elements sort of progress and bring themselves forward. So I did it with Mando. T- I mean, there were episodes of yeah. Mando I didn't like necessarily, and I was like, but I know that there's a bigger picture here happening. So I just remind people to kind of like, take yeah. A step I back. mean, that's always the case. Like for what we do, like we are going to be on every week rating the episode and being like, I didn't like this one, but then those characters end up being awesome. I mean, that's just yeah. that's the Ahsoka thing. Like this yep. character's dumb. I never want to see that character ever again. And then it's like, yeah, but let the character go on the journey. And now she's your favorite character, you know? So it's like, right. sometimes yeah. you just have to like, like, Oh, I don't know anything about the Sophie Thatcher character now, you know, and I don't really care particularly, but by the end of this show, I might be like, dude, uh, yeah. Give her her own series. Like, I don't know yeah. what she's going to do in later episodes, you know, you, you know, yeah. and you know, it, it's funny because I think season one of Mandalorian and people had known that Migna Wen was cast and among others. And I think it was like the third chapter 
or right before the third chapter, Deborah Chow's. And like, there was a Star Wars author who like came at John Favreau on Twitter about, I can't believe they're not, he's not using this person and doing this, whatever. And it's, you know, it's ironic because they're an author and we're at chapter two of eight. And it's like, if, if, if John Favreau read four chapters of your book and then started tearing you up, you'd be like, well, read my whole book. You got to do that with this show, like you're saying, Mark. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, Favreau is a, he's all about the long game and there's, there's no like just randomness to what he's doing. He's a very good storyteller. So I think, even though like I didn't, I didn't love the prologue of chapter one, uh, it'll make more sense. Like you said, when we round this out and get to look back on it and do a rewatch. Yeah. So we actually haven't talked about this yet, and I really did want to talk about it because it was one of the coolest things in the episode, which was the dinner at the end of the episode. Them putting the dinner table on the Rancor trap was the most genius thing, and I didn't notice it, obviously, until the reveal that you see the nails, but oh my god, what an awesome gangster move by Boba Fett to be like, Oh, you don't you don't think I'm scary? Oh, where are you eating? Right. <laughs> like it was so cool. And I can't wait to see more of that Rancor. As you guys know, it's I'm a like, huge Rancor. Like those fan. People who who like you see on like Instagram and stuff, they're eating on a picnic table like five thousand feet in the air, hanging from like cables, <laughs> and you're like, What is wrong with you? Why are you doing that? Just move. I'm glad over. you brought that up, Lacey, because I was like, Man, I don't want to go the whole episode and not have mentioned that scene, but I don't know how to get back to it. And you brought it yeah. up. But yeah, well, we're like gonna him, see a, a lot more of that rancor and then, and then just that. like it, like he's petting his his Rottweiler or something, you know? Yeah, and I mean? feeds him she a just, bone. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of loving, you know. That's all, and everybody's <laughs> like, "You are insane," <laughs> you know. <laughs> he didn't even like budge. Yeah, that's like my friend had a dog. It was um, a Nikita. Uh, it was called Ooh. Bandit, and those are big it, dogs. Yeah. And and it it was a nasty dog, but like like any owner, my my best friend's dad was like, he won't bite you. His bark's bigger than his bite. I'm like, I'm not gonna test that out. And I don't like. It's the same thing with the rancor. Like, listen, Boba, I believe you. It's a sweetheart. Not gonna try it out. Not gonna try that out. Mm-hmm. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think I think we're gonna see a lot more of that rancor in the next few episodes. I'm very excited about that. Um, the what I'll say the one thing I didn't like, which James, you talked about this before, the mu- the the music from the mod scene, with that techno music, mm-hmm. uh, took me took me out of the episode for a bit. I know like th- these shows are doing a different sort of thing with music from traditional Star Wars, but it was very like a chase scene from a Jason Bourne movie, or like when the girls are breaking into the the jewelry place in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, like very odd techno Moby type music. And I I got I hated it. I I I I am trying to stay positive here. That I liked it. I was, like, I was actually hoping they oh, put it on Spotify. Me too. I quite like that. I quite Oh, liked it. I couldn't stand it. I love it. <laughs> it I love that whole sequence. Thing. I thought it was really cool. I was like, this is like you know, everybody says Star Wars is sci-fi fantasy. Like, we get a lot of the fantasy. We get a lot of the Lord of the Rings type side. Like, the Banthas riding through the desert and, like, creatures and stuff. And we often don't get the sci-fi side, which we've gotten the Bakta tank and ships and, obviously, and weapons. But we haven't gotten that, like, crazy sci-fi side. And I think that these kind of modders and, like, rebuilding someone as part droid, like, that's so sci-fi and crazy and, like, really, really cool. Yeah, I think I like yeah. the idea of it and just not the execution of it. Like, I want to see that. But like I said before, it feels 
a little low budget when those characters are on screen to me. And it's not going to like, I'm not going to go on Twitter for the next two years talking about how I hate it. It just like, it's just a nitpick. And like you, you, know, you said before, it's eh, just a nitpick. It's not a big deal. Uh, just, you know, one little thing. I was like, eh, didn't really do it for me. Yeah. Everyone's talking about how Thundercat brought the music. Who was the guy that was fixing? Was that's that his music? Like, yeah. I was going to say it's not, I'm not sure, not but connected. he's still Probably not. a musical guest, so to speak. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, we're getting towards the end here. Uh, it's almost uh, the rooster crowing time for Mark. So we do have God. some super chats that we have to get to. Yeah, let's get all through. right, yeah, let's get through those, and then we'll get sort of final thoughts and uh, and speculation on where we're going next week. All right, first up, we have Frank Grande. Hey, Frank, how's it going? Hey, he had mentioned in the chat, by the way. Frank wanted to know my bad Star Wars ideas. No, you don't. <laughs> so Frank said I did think it was odd Boba went looking for his armor in the Starlight Pit when he clearly saw Jawa take it off him maybe he was delirious I don't know yeah. but it was cool that he got his revenge on the pit I agree like it's you don't remember them t- like they punched you out you don't remember the the feisty Jawas but I guess it's one of those things that like you're covered in acid or you think it's a fever dream type thing yeah yeah, yeah. or I just yeah. I just took the whole thing and understanding that like he was in fight or flight, like instinct. Like he's like digging out of the hole because like you're, when you're drowning, you're trying, your body's doing this and you don't have any control of your body. Your brain's telling your arms to move. You can't get them to stop. So it's like, he's digging out or he's finding his way out of the, the, the pit. And then when he's even laying there, like all that stuff, like just blackout, just, he doesn't remember any of it interacting with what happened. He just was surviving and that's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's Next, we have Sooner Thrawn. Thank you for the super chat. Who said, "Did Sidious just erase his his mind to make Grievous chef?" <laughs> <laughs> I did. I laughed when he did the whole General Grievous, like you know, arms out, swirling of the knives. I was like, "This is so funny." Uh, thanks for the super chat. Thank you, Ryan, for the super chat. Who said, "When the season ends and the rewatch happens, it'll be better received." I think ro- low yeah. ratings come from awaiting a week to see it, and it's not pure fire. I mean, I will go back to the Mandalorian season two, episode two, the whole spider episode. Not a fan, but if you look at it as the whole story, it's a great episode. Like it makes Mm -hmm. sense in where he's going and who he's meeting. And then with, you know, Grogu kind of learning to eat things throughout the season. One week, people were very mad. This oh, is yeah, again, the eggs, this yeah. is that this is that whole like TV versus film thing. I I don't go back and regularly watch The Mandalorian. Like it's just kind of one of those things like we experienced it and I know that it exists, but like it's not something like I've probably watched Rise of Skywalker way more times than I've vi- revisited chap, you know, uh first season of Mandalorian or second season, you know, going back and rewatching them. And I think that's just cuz of the longevity. But that being said, Man, when like I see clips of the Mandalorian, it does not matter what episode it's from. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, because like I, it brings back, no matter what episode it's from, it brings back the memories of the whole season being good. You know, the whole season, like of, of we took the character from here to here and like every scene is, is great in retrospect. Awesome. So we do have another super chat from Freezy2324. Thank you so much. You said, if you could erase your memory from one Star Wars movie and watch it again for the first time, which one would it be? Probably for me, The Force Awakens. I love that movie so much. I have such a good memory of watching it and the idea of 
seeing all these characters again that I love and Ray grabbing the lightsaber for the first time. So I'm just going to give my answer first. Mark, what what movie would you see over again if you could? Um, if I could erase one and watch it again for the first time, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, nice. That, that just wrapped up so much stuff and was so dramatic. And I still happily watch that film any day of the week. So I think it will be Sith for me because at that time we thought that really was it. That was that was the capo. That right. was the, end. Yeah. the circle was complete. The whole thing. So so it yeah. will be Sith for me. I go with uh, yeah. I'd go with Return of the Jedi um, because in this question I still remember seven, eight, and nine. So I want to know like. So what did happen to Palpatine yeah, before yeah. all this mm. and stuff like that? I was going to so. say, that's a trick question because my first instinct was Phantom Menace <laughs> because I was like, when I watched Phantom Menace, I didn't care as much as I yeah. care now. So yeah, I was yeah like, I'm going with I Jedi. Would like to, yeah. I would like to revisit with my eyes today, but I was like, but wait a minute. I would know what happened in two and three. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But I was like, but you, we're going with the question just being like, if you could re-experience a movie and you just, you know, the way that you would experience a movie, you don't have any idea what's coming, so you kind of erase everything past that. You know, I, Phantom Menace would be good, but John, I think you really nailed it, man. I there's no way I don't have the opportunity to go back to like one, two, or three. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I think three is probably a really good one, man, because being able to see how the original trilogy wrapped up. Because I I love Return of the Jedi. How would I receive it today, seeing mm. it for the first time? Yeah, crazy. Good answer. Nice. And we have another super chat from Ryan. Thank you, Ryan, who said, also, who would have predicted we'd see so much Boba Fett not wearing pants? I'll take it. He's looking Culturally, good. Culturally, that means something different to me, so I'm going to duck out of this one. <laughs> he's, look, he's looking good. I'm, I'm going to call him Roba Fett because he's always wearing his robe. At least he's not wearing the diaper. At least they've upgraded him to briefs. That's all I got to yeah. say. Like, poor, yeah. poor Mark Hamill in that diaper. Right. Not, no one looks Bridget Jones that. pants. Yeah. Bridget Jones pants. That is a great <laughs> reference. Absolutely. All right, John, what's next? Um, that's sort of it. Um, I just want to ask Mark, since uh, he won't be with us next week, what's, what's going on on this show next week, Mark? What do you think? Uh, what are you looking for? Are you looking for war at this point? Is, are the, is the table set? Are you looking for the Mando cameo? What are you most looking for for next week? Because Favloni, Favloni and Favro, sorry, Favloni. Uh, I mean, that is a great, that's a great ship name, Favro. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping that with hashtag. Uh, because they said <laughs> that all these shows are going to sort of work together and become one big story, like the Defenders did with the Netflix Marvel yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that the crux of that feels like it will be a gang war, you know, and this is the start of the real build towards this gang war. That's my headcanon. That's me thinking where they'll take it. So I think next all week, right. yeah, I think. That, that Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven thing will start to build because you did see that in Mando. They don't want to repeat too much what they did in Mando, but you did see Mando build his team up with grief and then with Kara and, and you know, build, build, build. So they don't want to do that. I think they'll wrap that up quicker because Fett's more of a pull in that sense. Mando right. is doing his thing and he's on his mission, but, but Fett now is a prominent character in the underworld. So I think that team will come together quicker. But... Um, and also, I don't foresee because we've sort of done away with the back to, you know, the back to facility to take you into a flashback, which has worked really well thematically and visually. That's gone now. I think we're linear going forward. So I'm expecting fireworks next week. All right. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same board, uh, same boat as you there, um, James. How about you? Uh, anything in particular you want to see out of next week? Um, any preference on director? Anything you're looking for, or you're just going um, in for whatever? 
No, what you know, uh, one thing is that I feel I could be wrong on this, but I feel like we've reached the end of the trailers. Mm. So at this point, I think so. This point now, it feels like every new thing, if they're going to tease like, uh, like a clip, you know, like an advertisement for next week's episode, it's going to be all new footage, you know? And we're back in that boat of like, oh, I don't know what's coming next. And that's three full episodes of having nothing to come next. So that's very exciting. Um, and then uh, uh, whatever happened to the Gamorrean guard who went in the back to tank? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I hope they he either gets his own spinoff series or no, I'm just kidding. He turned into a human and married Fiona and went off with his friend, the donkey. <laughs> uh, um, Lacey, how about you? Anything uh, you're looking for? Some more Rancor, Rancor time like me or what? Yeah, definitely Rancor time. I said that last week and we got a little bit, but not enough. We only got his nails. So I want like full, I want a training montage like they do with the Blurks. Like I want like a full, like give us as much Rancor as you can. Um, and... What else? I mean, I think you guys said really good points, like building the team. We're all at war. I think these last three episodes are going to hit hard. I think these first ones have been kind of like laying the groundwork of what's to come. And then the epicness that Robert Rodriguez and others have been kind of toting leading into this is going to hit now. Yeah, I I, I think. Oh, another quick, just not to mention, like. Din, if Din Djarin does show up with a new ship, like all that's super exciting. Oh my God. If Din shows yeah. up, I'm going to, if you see, ah, and just the, all caps, it <laughs> means might Din showed up. He the dark saber at this point. He, he might use it. Like, wow. Where are we at yeah. for these last three episodes? You know? Yeah, that's true. That's cool. It's, um, I think the action is going to pick up a bit in the, in the little stretch run here. I do think we're going to see, Boba using that rancor to the best of its abilities to instill some fear and do some damage. And we're going to have some fun with that. Um, the, I, I, you hear a bunch of rumors floating around about all these sorts of cameos and stuff. And I think they've made it clear <laughs> to us. Right uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But RMD I, collective I, said hot take Han Solo shows up at the end of the series. I mean, guys, we will like lose hot. it. You know, who knows <laughs> what, what they did with cool. doesn't to be here. Yeah. With, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. with what they did with Luke, they can definitely probably do something with Ford. Um, so who wait, knows, really but... quick, Mark, do you agree with the statement that leading up to the new Disney era, they constantly marketed Boba Fett and Han Solo as rivals all yes. the time? Yeah. Yes. See, so I'm yeah. saying like they can't go through the series without at least mentioning him at well, some what, point. When they you do think this, you think we're oh well played. <laughs> you know, you think where this is set in the titles about five years after Jedi, Dark Empire yeah. is five years yes. after Jedi, and they were at loggerheads on Nashadar in that one. So they've always pitched them as, as opposites. And Solo think, threw him in the pit, not well, directly, yeah, but accidentally. A, a blind guy with a stick knocks the galaxy's greatest bounty hunter, <laughs> bounces him off a ship into a hole in the ground. He's he, he's going to settle scores. So take out the biker gang, take out the Sarlacc. Thanks to Fennec, quick thinking. But, you know, it feels like a score that needs settling. So that wouldn't. Yeah. And I, I, I know there's yeah. been rumors of it being Harrison, but if it was Alden, it wouldn't surprise me either one iota. I would love that. I would love either or. Yeah. yeah and, you know, another thing, too, you're saying, you know, it was Han that knocked him in. But don't forget, he was reacting to Boba Fett. He's saying Boba Fett, Boba Fett's here. Yes, exactly. 
there's yeah. a surprise to it like wait hold on game changer why why yeah. right. i thought yeah. we were just dealing with jabba the hut like a crazy <laughs> he's like yeah. boba fett's here like all right of a sudden and now you know john kazan recently revealed that they wanted boba fett to be in solo but lucasfilm was like now we're doing a movie with him uh at the time mm-hmm. so they couldn't I'll do it so I think they're going to explore Boba Fett and Han Solo in a solo era thing one day to help beef up said rivalry because we've heard, like you said, we've heard about it. We haven't seen them really go at it. Nothing. We've got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's something they'll hopefully explore when they bring Alden back. But man, next week, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm excited about that. I don't know how this thing, this thing's going to wrap up, but I could see something where maybe he leaves the palace to the Tuscans or, you know, one of those types of walks out you know goes on on the dusty trail or whatever but i'm excited it's it's things are gonna heat up so um before we get out of here mark um why don't you let people know where they can uh listen to you on your show and the site and everything just plug away and uh, have at it oh thank you very much uh fanta tracks so fantatracks.com so head to the site daily news there's i'm always posting some nonsense there and so is the team uh we've got our podcast network as well making tracks which is the weekly new show um, on, on Wednesdays as and when we can uh, are going to do a reaction chat which is basically just me and Mark quickly it was about half an hour long just reacting to what we've just seen uh, and we're going to take that forward through Kenobi and or Bad Batch going forward so hopefully that'll work out um, and then yeah just everywhere on socials at Panthertracks and if you want to find me if you're that batty uh, it's prefect <laughs> underscore timing. You can send. He's me. a great follow, so go follow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> great follow. So thank you very much. Yes. So that's where you'll find me. Excellent. Yeah. So um, make sure you follow and subscribe to Mark on all those spots, for sure. Always good chats. Always good content. Um, and that's why we love having you here, buddy. But. Um, also for us, um, make sure you are subscribing to our show on your preferred audio platforms. Uh, also youtube.com slash star Wars news net videos. If you're joining us live, you know that, um, star Wars news net also for your star Wars news reviews, editorials, information, and more. You'll find me writing and editing over there. Uh, patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Uh, this show exists because of you. So we thank you for all your support. Uh, tiers start at $2 a month if you want to support us. We appreciate it. Uh, special shout out to our generals and spice runners. First, our generals, Carmelo, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Paul Olson, Oliver Lewis, Frank Grande, Joe Ritchie, Darth Hurricane, John Charlton, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Nathan Shank, Danny, and Val Trichkoff. Thank you. And our spice runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Double C, Chris, Kendall Gelnar, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Micah Harrison, Thomas Hennessy. Thank you all for all your support. And all of our patrons. Um, next week, January 26th, Chapter 5 will be joined by Adam Russell, the bassist for the band's story of the year, and a co-host of the Star Wars podcast, Thank the Maker. So Adam will be joining us 9 p.m. East next Wednesday to talk about Chapter 5, and who knows what we're going to be talking about then. Um, but again, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and all those other places I mentioned. Lacey, how about you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. Mm-hmm. James Bainey. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Myra Trunks. All right. Uh, Mark, thank you again, man. As always, it is a pleasure. And we got to have you on the regular pod again uh, in, in due time because it's always a good time, as long as you're literally up for it. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 as long as I'm not working the next day, I'm in. So just call me. Definitely. Always fun. <laughs> Will do. Thank you, man. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we see you in a few months. Uh, Definitely. Can't wait to see you guys. Can't wait. 
Oh, me too. What, honestly, one of the best hugs I had at Celebration 2019, Mark Newbold. That's a <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks again to everybody from the four of us here at the Mando Fan Show. As always, we'll see you around, kids. 